welcome to uh, the long overdue final episode of our Wesley Union liturgical um, calendar series. Um, I am joined today by the lovely Reverend Haley Eccles of Camp City Wesley Foundation, who we've all met before, um, if you've been listening to this podcast. And she's going to talk with us about ordinary time. Um, so first off, Haley, how are you? I'm doing good. It is a week before Thanksgiving at the time of us recording this. So um, I do feel that um, anxiety in the air as we get closer to the end of the semester and um, more of our students have finals and are kind of figuring that stuff out. Um, And I'm also celebrating, you know, we're kind of coming to the end of like the regularly scheduled programming for campus ministry. So just celebrating that, you know, we've gotten to do so many great things together. Um, the semester both feels like it has gone by really quickly and like it's been a million years long. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. It's very real. Yeah. Well, it'll be nice. Hopefully we'll get a little break over the holidays. Fingers crossed. You know, mm-hmm. like once we pass Thanksgiving in the first couple of weeks of the Advent season, you know, we'll get a little break. That'll be nice. And then we'll be back at it. Yes. Yeah. So um, before we dive in, I know you've been on this podcast before, but for people who I guess maybe didn't uh, listen to that episode, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, since I can't remember what I've said before, it may be the same thing or it may be completely different things. <laughs> um, but I am a provisional elder in the United Methodist Church working ter- towards ordination. And my appointment is he- as the associate director of Campus to City Wesley Foundation, um, which serves FS- uh, UNF. JU and Flagler. Um, and we also have some online ministry as well. Um, I came out of campus ministry myself as a uh, former um, Gator Wesley student. And kind of that's where I um, began to see that I could be called to ministry. Um, and I am married. I've got two toddlers. Um, I am a bachelor franchise enthusiast. Um, and yeah, I'm sure there's other things, but there's a little snippet. You know, I hit some of your major points, you know, I mean, there's a lot more to you for sure, but don't worry. You have, you're such an interesting person to talk to. So like, I really, I was like, I could go down like a whole list of things Haley like is into and like to talk to us about, but that's not why we're here today. We're here to talk about ordinary time and the liturgical calendar. So Haley, why is the liturgical calendar important broadly? Why, why do we care about it? What's it do for us? Yes. Um, Okay. So I did some research about ordinary time. And so I've learned some things about the ordinary, the liturgical calendar and ordinary time specifically that Mm -hmm. changed it for me. But the point of a liturgical calendar gives some sort of grounding 
for churches to kind of walk through um, the story of scripture and the way that it helps us to encounter um, who God is and what God has done in the world um, in a way that the word that comes to mind is, is balanced um, so that we I think it that we do have um, some favorite stories, some favorite characteristics of God, um, some like affinities for the way God moves in the world. That if I created a calendar according to Haley, um, there are books or chapters that I might avoid or just not go to again and again, but having a lectionary calendar and having something that kind of forces you to, to over the course of three years, um, much more broadly enter the entire story of scripture, um, can help us to kind of be challenged by some of our biases and grow as a community who needs the fullness of who God is in scripture, even in like the messiest places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hear that. So good. And so you said you were like diving into ordinary time. Um, well, why does ordinary time matter then? Like as you've dove in into it, why, why do we care about a thing that is ordinary by its name? Like, how does that give rhythm, rhythm and meaning? So I'll give two answers. I'll give the answer before I did the research um, mm-hmm. and the answer after I did the research. So before I did the research, the way I kind of associated ordinary time um, is it's a, it's a way of providing space um, in between these seasons that are very significant. And in that space is a space where um, where we have this rhythm of um, like, I'm going to back up. There are rhythms that happen in our worship, in our calendar, broadly and narrowly that are call and response rhythms. God says something and then we respond to it. God says something and then we respond to it. Right. Um, And so those things happen on a small level in something like um, if your uh, church or or, uh, worshiping community does a call to worship and there's a leader who says a line and you say a line, that is a call and response. Um, It can happen on a, on a, you know, medium scale, uh, typically churches that follow a liturgical order of worship, if you have both a sermon and um, communion in your service, usually the communion is after the sermon. And in a sense, it is, again, that call that you've heard the word of God, and then you act on it in coming to the table. I think the same thing happens in the calendar we have. Um, and that ordinary time are these moments where we are called to respond to what, what has happened specifically in this season of ordinary time. That is the longest season of ordinary time. There's a little, little season between Advent and, um, Ash Wednesday. Um, because Pentecost is all about like the church 
is here, what's the church going to do, right? Um, and while that is not a bad answer, uh, one thing that kind of added to my understanding of ordinary time is that ordinary does not mean routine or not special or plain, but actually it refers to the ordinal numbers, first, second, third, etc., used to name and count the Sundays, such as the third Sunday after Pentecost. Um, and it comes from a Latin term that means numbered or ordered or measured time. Um, I think my answer is still the same. And the point is that it is this time of like response in the calendar, but to know that ordinary doesn't mean plain, but it means that we have a time limited window where like we need to act, I think makes it um, measured in a way that I hadn't thought of before. Um, So in a sense, November, uh, you know, when we're recording this, like time is, is running out of like, have we done everything that we felt called to do way back in, in May? (laughs) Um, And from what we've heard of the story of God over and over. So Anyway, that's my answer. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. I I wonder, I've heard some people talk about ordinary time as being like kingdom time or kingdom tide or kingdom tide or whatever, various iterations of it. And I don't know, I wonder how that fits into this because, you know, you're talking about supposed to be doing stuff, right? We're supposed to be making action. Like, is this the time we're supposed to be bringing the kingdom of God here on earth? Like, if you're leaning into that, we'll be reminded of that. Um, I wonder if that's, I forget. I've never, I know I've heard someone explain once where like the whole kingdom tide idea comes from, but it was like several years ago and I was not super into the liturgical calendar at the time. And then I just kind of casually heard it thrown around um, since then. Well, on the umcdiscipleship.org, I did happen to find an article called Whatever Happened to Kingdom Tide and read a little bit about um, about it. And essentially, yes, this season does have that character of like, where do we see the kingdom of God on earth? Um, the naming of kingdom tide and trying to unite kingdom tide, um, kind of fell away as the revised common lectionary became popular and it became less necessary to say, this is kingdom tide and this is its character. And this is what we're going to study because the revised common lecture lectionary covered all times and what their character was and what they were going to study. But there was a season in like the thirties, forties, fifties, where kingdom tide was what it was called. um, And that it had some sort of distinct character. And there was a desire to kind of unite churches around this, like how, how do we see, how do we become, um, how do we act on behalf of the kingdom in this season? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thank you for that uh, historical context. Um, I think you've kind of talked about this a little bit, um, but I guess I was curious if you could give us like a more direct 
plain answer, but like, what does ordinary time mean to you? Like on a very personal level, like what, what is the time about for you? Um, for me, ordinary time is about faithfulness. Um, it, it can be easier for me to enter into or resonate with the story of Christmas or Lent or Easter or Pentecost, these kind of big moments. Um, they can be tied to holidays. They can be tied to, um, like personal, uh, revelations or moments of spiritual growth. Um, and we celebrate, we'd often talk about within, um, the campus to city Wesley community about how spiritual growth, um, evolves over time. It is slow. It can be frustrating. Um, it is not always this, um, growing easy thing. And so for me, ordinary time is about the faithfulness of showing up and continuing in the story, even when, um, it doesn't have that sense of awe or excitement. Um, even when, you know, the entire church is not decorated and like everyone that is around you is not celebrating in the same way. Um, that the story is continuing. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. Even when the church is not decorated. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to invite us to take a little break to digest this portion of the interview, and then we will come back and dive more deeply into ordinary time and its connection to scriptures and the story behind it and why it still matters. So stay tuned, friends. In addition to these Wesley Union Liturgical Year podcasts, we also have a Liturgical Reflections blog series where different members of the Studio Wesley community share their thoughts on different liturgical days and seasons. To read some of these reflections, visit www.studiowesley.org slash blogs slash liturgical dash reflections. everyone we are back for the second half of our ordinary time conversation with reverend Haley Eccles at Rev Haley Grace for those of you <laughs> who are interested in social media um peloton. <laughs> yeah if you want to connect with her on peloton yeah Haley is quite a, that's that's yeah you are quite a peloton person at this point that should have been in your intro you know your peloton person. it's something that people need to know a little bit more about me so they don't get annoyed by it so I saved it for the second part of the interview. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, 
Reverend Peloton, um, what is the story behind and reason for ordinary time? And why is it significant to today's society and the church? Why do we care? All right. This is a little bit harder to answer just because, first of all, ordinary time is our longest season. We're talking mm-hmm. from um, beginning of May-ish to beginning of December. So it's summer and fall. <laughs> it's like half a year. Um, and so it's hard to have one specific character flowing through that entire time. And I would venture to say that most um, like faith communities probably break it up into like this season, we're going to talk about this, this season, we're going to talk about this because our attention spans hardly can focus on one thing for um, much more than a few weeks. So, you know, going through so many weeks, you know, it's just hard to kind of stick to focusing on a story. Um, also, I feel like this is the one season where uh, through the way the Revised Common Lectionary works, there's usually a text available every Sunday from the Old Testament, from the Psalms, from the Gospels, and then from the New Testament. Um often like the epistles, but it can also include other things. Um, sorry if that's oversimplistic, but when we're talking about Easter, we are like 90% of the time going to pull all of the texts we're going to focus on from the gospels, because that's where like Jesus actually is present. And so we want to journey with Jesus as we come up to Easter, as we're trying to kind of wrestle with what is it that Jesus does for us? Um, the same thing happens, you know, in, in with Pentecost, we have basically one text that we really focus on around Acts 2. So we have these kind of like specific places we go. Ordinary time is a great time to say, you know what? We haven't talked about the Psalms in a long time. Let's see what the Psalms are saying for the next several weeks. Oh, actually, if we follow the lectionary, um, I think, um, you know, because we're going to actually journey through a a smaller epistle, like we're going to read, if we go through every week, we're going to read most of or all of Ephesians or Galatians, like maybe we should focus on that. Um, or there might even be some Old Testament stories that it's like, you know, we're going to go through some really big things that happen um, in the life of um, David or in the life of uh, Samuel or, you know, some of these Old Testament characters. So in a sense, there is not like one common story. There's a lot of openness to explore. What are the stories we haven't heard in a while? What are the stories we need? Um, and whereas on the one hand, I, I did say earlier in this podcast 
that the the lectionary does force us to not um, play favorites so that we can explore a fuller story. I think we also have a lot of resources available to us where we can look for intersections between the story we need and the story that is available to us. Um, and so for me, I, I think our community had a great gift over the course of this fall that ordinary time um, walks us through Hebrews and the way that um, the CCW community was able to engage with the Hebrew scripture, I think met us both in this is the scripture we need right now and kind of brought us a story that maybe we haven't um, explored in a while. Um, maybe not the first one we would turn to because it's not um, the favorite that most of our community thinks of when they think of like, what are your favorite books or stories or things in the Bible? So. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I definitely... I always think it's interesting what pastors decide to talk about in their churches during ordinary times, like, because I think it, it's a moment where, I mean, obviously no one has to stick to the lectionary all the time, right? Like you can do what you want, um, at least in like Methodism. Um, but during ordinary time, I don't know, I really feel like there's an opportunity to go, what does this church, what does our community need? What do we need to lean in on? Like, and maybe that lines up with lectionary text or maybe it's something off the wall, but it's like this chance to stop and like check the pulse and go, okay, what do we need to, to even this out? Yeah, absolutely. There are some denominations where the revised common lectionary is required that you right. have to read those texts and within um within my tradition um it isn't required and so it means that some people are able to supplement during this time with stories that that seem more um appro like appropriate to their context um mm -hmm. there is a a group it's um you can find them. I think they have a blog called um, the Year D Project. So the Revised Common Lectionary goes um, over the course of three years and they're lettered A, B, and C. It takes you through most of what is in our scripture, but it does completely omit some texts and stories. And some of those stories are really hard um, and the kind of like what do we do with this story? Um, for example, there's um, a story from the book of Judges um, that just kind of displays a lot of brutality um, towards women specifically. And it's kind of one of those texts where I'm still like, I don't know what to do with this scripture. It's not in our revised common lectionary, but this group put together what they call a year D project where they try to capture the, the fragments of what's left and, you know, encourage churches to like faithfully enter into all of scripture, even like the really, really difficult parts. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so there's some room to explore stories that aren't even a part of it. Um, and there's a room to do, to do your own thing. And then there's also this kind of like 
church historically has certain rhythms it enters into because of the larger seasons. So during the summer, a lot of times um, series or study will be very open because people aren't able to be as consistent over the summer due to vacation schedules. They're just not as connected to their local community. Um, you'll also see churches who enter into a time of um, stewardship around October every year. I do not know why it is October for most churches, but I'd say a, a very good number of them. October is the year where they're kind of looking at budgets and they're encouraging people to give. Um, and so those things aren't even like captured in the lectionary. They're just things that happen during ordinary time. They're yeah. interesting tangents to go on <laughs> that we can explore or not. <laughs> yeah, no, I want to say, I appreciate you like naming that, like, and I was trying to get at this, and I think you just did a much better job of like making it clear that yes, like in the Methodist tradition, like you don't have to adhere to like the lectionary text every Sunday and your thing. But then like in some traditions you do, and I think there's beauty in both things, right? Like there's beauty in like tradition and like being unified with like your denomination in the church, like across the board and like reading the same text. And there's also like this really wonderful moment that happens when you aren't bound by that. And you can go, what do we need? What does this community congregation need right now? Um, so I think both are like really incredible things. And I think the year D project is really cool because like, I don't know, I'm very much of the mindset that I'm like, Bible is very much a thing that it's okay to wrestle with and have questions about. My problem becomes when we want to ignore the parts of the Bible that we want to have questions about and ignore. And like, you know, we have to confront it all. Like if we claim this is such a holy book and such a reverent thing, like we got to sit in it all. Like it's not always fun. Like, you know, not everything is, you know, sunshine and rainbows and mountaintop moments. But like, well, and I would encourage uh, anyone who is listening to this, if you go to a church that does, um, that is more liturgical and that like does things like recite Psalms together, look up those Psalms afterwards, because there are so many Psalms that we read as a community, like even in like the book of worship, where we kind of have the, the settings for different Psalms, we'll read together the first half. And then we'll stop because the second half is full of like, and I'm going to come after my enemies. And I hope that you like, you know, make them suffer. And these really violent things that I don't love about the human nature that we're wishing mm -hmm. evil upon other people. Um, and there is some wrestling to do with the fact that I don't love that and being faced with that versus just being like, I'm not going to read over that. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we've talked about, you know, the way scriptures are intertwined with this, are there any specific scriptures and Bible stories that come to mind when you think about ordinary time? Like, is there anything that comes up for you? Yeah. Yes. And it's kind of funny because it, um, actually doesn't come up during any of the years of ordinary time at all. Um, I think of Acts. I think the, the story of Acts is the story of a church trying to figure out what do we do now that Jesus is gone and we have to kind of figure this out on our own. 
Um, and it's messy and there's arguments and there's like beautiful coming together and things too. Um, and I actually like feel like it would be totally appropriate for readings from Acts to be somehow in the lectionary, but they are not captured there in any of the years. Um, but it, it also is a, a longer um, of the New Testament books. Um, I think it's 28 chapters. I would have to Google that. But um, so during ordinary time would be a great time to explore it because you actually have some time to go through it as well and to kind of go through that story. So um, yeah, that's that's a story that I think about and one that I don't feel like I've studied enough because I did come from a tradition that was like, Paul is amazing. And we're going to read Romans and first and second Corinthians and Galatians. Like your Bible is going to be creased to those letters. And I think those letters have a place. I know that there are some, um, some people who maybe overcorrect and are like, we're never going to read Paul. Um, but I just think that acts to me, um, has a lot of richness to it. Um, and it reads so similarly to the gospels, given that there's some kind of similarity around the authorship of like Luke and Acts together, um, that I just think it, it kind of, I don't know. There's something that I like about the, the nerdiness of entering to those stories the same way versus a letter that's written to a particular community. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I also think it ties in well with, you know, what you were talking about earlier about, you know, this is the time we're supposed to be like doing the work of the church and like being like present in like the kingdom work, you know, acts, acts. Um, yeah and shameless shameless plug um one of my um seminary professors wrote an amazing an amazing commentary on acts um dr willie jennings and sarah left the screen to go get her own copy because yes. you can't if you can't you're watching the video version <laughs> what it looks like it's it's ridiculous y'all like I can't read more than two pages at a time without my mind being blown I haven't even gotten all the way through it because I just get really worked up by it when I do read it um but it also like not only is it the church but it's the church being led by the spirit and that's what um Dr. Jennings like really focuses on is like what is the story of the spirit that's happening in acts, um, among lots of other things. Uh, and I think that that is hugely important in ordinary time because that's our connection to Jesus, um, to God is the spirit and, um, Methodist communities don't always have a very large, um, connection to the spirit in the way that some other denominations might, um, but acts is a good way to connect with it because I think it's less around, um, these gifts of the spirit, like speaking in tongues or prophecy and more about discernment and wisdom and just kind of 
um, to quote the theology of um, Anna from Frozen 2, like just doing the next right thing, just like <laughs> taking the next right step. So, yeah. Is that a film that you get a lot of watch time in on, Haley? You know, we go through seasons in my house. The current season right now is Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, but um, Mm -hmm. Frozen is, we've had a season of Frozen. Very nice. Um, Final question. Final question. How does ordinary time carry us and center us in the overarching story of scripture and the work of the church? Big question, I know. There's something comforting to me that ordinary time has a beginning and a middle and an end. Um, While we don't have the same stories we enter into and, and as, you know, faith communities, um, there is a lot of breadth to what one church is studying on a given week versus another church during this time specifically. Um, There's also something really, really holy in the fact that we have a season where we're not all doing the same thing. Um, I think it makes sense that every Christmas Eve, we are probably, regardless of the season, going to open up to Luke 2, and we're going to read the story of Jesus being born and the shepherds hearing the news and all of that stuff. I think it is appropriate that every Easter, we're going to hear one of the resurrection narratives from the gospel, and we're going to hear questions about where Jesus went and what Jesus resurrected body was like. Um, I think it is equally appropriate that if we have, you know, 500 churches in Jacksonville, that there should be 500 different texts being read on an ordinary Sunday, because there are 500 different communities and contexts, um, There are different stories that are needing to be told. And I think it's an invitation into the gift and the call that the spirit has on each community uniquely um, and even people individually that um, I'm sure you can hear the train, maybe not, but that God is growing and shaping Um, and calling us to be um, at work. And it's not going to look the same in every place. Um, It is going to look different um, and that it's supposed to. So I don't know if that's helpful, but that's what comes to mind. No, that's beautiful. That's, gosh, such a good place to end this series and this convo and yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. Haley, thank you for sharing all of your thoughts and feelings and stories with us today. Um, you're very wonderful. And I really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with me. And for the other people who
Sarah. It's been fun journeying through the calendar with you and with so many other um, people and hearing their opinions. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to a new, new Christian year, but not trying to rush through the end of this one, just acknowledging that we are drawing to a close. We have another, what, like, see first Sunday of Advent is the start, right? Or is it Christmas? So technically starts as a new one. First Sunday of Advent. So we have what I thought, but then I like had one of out. Um, yeah, we've got till the 28th. So like 12 days, 12 more days. And then it's happy new year. Yay. <laughs> Bye friends. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley.